This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. On Headstrong, we are very pleased and proud to be partnered with the CBD brand, The Good Level. Now, I've been taking CBD for about 18 months to maintain my mental well-being, but it's been very difficult to find a brand that I can trust because there's so many faceless foreign brands out there and you're not sure what you're buying or how it's sourced. Luckily, I found two guys, Joe and Johnny, who have created this wonderful brand called The Good Level. What's so great about these guys is that they support British farming. Many brands import their CBD from America, but the good levels say they don't rely on the methods by farmers that they've never met, nor the farms that they've never seen. They have a really close relationship with their farmers who are in Somerset, meaning they know how their product is produced from start to finish. They're the first CBD company I found who put a face on the brand, and they're transparent with the whole process of how they create their products. And they've even got their own podcast, where they look at the latest research on CBD. To check them out, go to their Instagram, at the.good.level, and drop them a message if you want to find out more about CBD. And for 15% off their products, use Headstrong15 on their website for checkout. Welcome to another episode of Headstrong Season 6. My name is Louis Strong and I host this podcast. Headstrong is a podcast where I sit down with a number of people who are in the public eye, be that singers, actors, sports people, whoever that might be, to talk to them about their experiences and their lives. But notably, I want to talk to them about their vulnerabilities to understand what the word headstrong means to them and to inspire you to live your life as if you are headstrong. On this week's episode of the podcast, I am joined by Amy Manson. 
Amy is another wonderful actor who I managed to secure for the podcast. We talked about her TV show, The Nevers, as well as getting into acting at a young age up in Scotland. We also talked about the tender subject of an eating disorder, as well as the use of CBD that she uses in her life to instill that calmness and steady approach to everything that she does. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode of Headstrong. All right, Amy, thank you so much for joining me on Headstrong. How are you? I'm super, yeah. Good day today. Oh, beautiful day. So I, um, I recorded the first episode of this new series uh, last week with somebody called Hayley Hasselhoff. And she started this fantastic initiative over lockdown. And it's called Check In With You. And I'm actually going to incorporate it into this series, if you don't mind. So I wanted to check in with you and see how you're doing today and how you're feeling. Oh, that's a lovely initiative. Um, I, I'm buzzing, actually, today. I'm having a really good day. Um, I, I contacted a friend um, about, yeah, he owns a company called Boom in London, uh, which is a cycling company. So I contacted him to see if he had a spare bike that I could borrow um, <laughs> for my headspace for uh, the next three weeks. So that's arriving today. So I'm just Fantastic. Everything's going yeah. well then today. Yeah, well, um, I'm talking I'm, to you. And you're talking to me. Well, that's probably <laughs> not, not the top of your list, but alas, we are here. Um, <laughs> there's, of course, a massive whirlwind surrounding you and your new show. So that's probably a lot of excitement as well, dominating some of your headspace as well. Yeah. The Nevers. Now, how has it been received? Really well. Um, I yeah, as well as hoped, I think, and I think there's a lot of people. There's a lot of questions that people are asking thus far, which will be resolved and answered come episode six. I don't think it's, it airs in the UK until the uh, May seventeenth as a box set, so people can binge watch it then. Absolutely, but, yeah. I think people are loving it. There's so um, much going on in the show. There's so much, you know, substance. That's exactly what of- I was going to say to you. But before we talk about the show in depth. What I wanted to ask from you, if I could, I'd really like kind of a 30-second, one-minute elevator pitch to sell the show to any listeners that haven't heard of it, don't know about it, or what could entice them. Because, of course, the trailer really sells it. But how would you sell the show? It's about a group of women who are united through these uh, mild superpowers. They're ostracized from uh, a base society and they join forces within an orphanage. Um, And it's about them kind of exploring their new powers together. Uh, And at the same time, uh, the government think that they're a threat to the empire. So they want to squash them and keep them contained. Basically, there's about a thousand other things that's going on as well. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say. There's a lot of narratives coming into it. And I think it's just, it looks so exciting. And also, what an amazing cast. I know. Oh, and they're also lovely as well. Oh. paid me to say that. (laughs) (laughs) But you would take more? No, 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 no. Yeah. Um, The trailer was, as I say, absolutely epic. And it's just so captivating and it makes you want to watch it. And it's set in Victorian England. And it explores a real variety of themes and sets up huge potential for narratives. And it's only a six-episode series, this first series, and I think there's huge potential for more. But what I want to talk about first is your character, who I might say is perhaps a tad complicated and multiple layers. Now, what an opportunity. How did you find going about your character? 
And how, what was that audition process like? Phenomenal. I think one of the best of my life. When I received the, it was only one audition scene and I received that. And I remember trying to pick this scene apart because she, she speaks in jibes and riddles and try to understand and pick out clues. And, and I think I, I worked in this for about two weeks. And I remember going into the audition and trying to explain what I had found uh, within this scene to Joss. And he just turned around and said, nope, it means nothing. I wrote that in five minutes. So <laughs> that was the beginning. I think she even had an alias, Mabel. I think she was called at the start too. And so that was the beginning. And yeah, it was all very hands-on and quite a collaborative effort. I think the first month was a lot of um, stunt training with Laura, a lot of... Um, with. Chris Blundell, uh, who's a makeup designer, a lot of, of trying to get Malady's look right and, you know, the rhyme and reason as to why she looks the way she does. And that took quite a lot of effort. I kind of came in a few times, maybe about six times to trial, a lot of different looks. And then, then it was just a case of beginning. At the beginning, I think text was the last thing that I adopted for Malady. It was all there, but I had to feel who she was within my body and understand why she behaves the way she does because yes she's complicated but um you know if if they if you treat a person like they're mad you'll you'll break them so mm -hmm. in, in her sense she felt as though she wasn't mad at all um and you know she's out to torch and she's got a vendetta against the patriarchy because of what they put her through the abuse she was subjected to um, at the hands of this evil Dr. Haig. So it was it was finding the truth within that and and making her responses to to these people and to society as a whole real and livable and understanding that in her moments of hypermania, um, you know, that she she could vibrate on on that level and for it to be real. And for me to feel it that way, not just to go, I'm playing a generalized, you know, abused woman. I mean, what is that? It's um, specific to, to each human being. And I think she's got no outlet to, you know, there, there's no talk of headspace <laughs> in Victorian times. So there's no outlet. So she, she was going mad within her own, her own brain, I guess. Um, but it was every time a script came in, there was something more, there's more levels, understanding who she was prior to the asylum was was a big help understanding the the character Sarah, which we we do divulge in later in the season, and um, yeah, it was just just to find her spirit really because I've never played anybody I don't think was redeemable, you know, and I kind of I take my hat off to her resilience as as a woman after everything she went through, you know, she she could have taken her own life or become addicted to laudanum and gone down that sort of route. But she's just intent on revenge. And I think it's quite commendable, really. I think the last thing you want as well with a character like Malady is that you don't want to make them a caricature because they've got so many... Um, there's so many layers into what they, what they comprise of. And it might come across as mad to the naked eye, but underneath it all, there's an intrinsic truth to their narrative and what their kind of their, their route and what they're going through. And as you say, yeah, exactly. She's got her, her path and she's got pretty much set on and knows what to do. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's um, her whole demeanor is a PTSD response to what she's gone through. And it, and it, I had to be specific. 
Mm. I had to know what my driving force was because it's a huge thing to turn, you know, I know advertised as Jack the Ripper, but if anybody gets in, in her path, you know, she's intent on anarchy and war and and she's almost become a well, sociopath. You don't become a sociopath, but you know, there's there's no remorse there because of what she's gone through. She's had to become numb, you know, she's had to suppress the feelings of love. That's at the base of everyone's existence, right? And um, she doesn't let that bubble up because then that would control her. And that is what would overtake her and render her dumb in that way. So she's, yeah, she's her driving force is is the, the revenge. But also there is a moment where you see Sarah um, being put into an asylum vehicle. And she has a moment where she sees what she thinks is God and that he's spoken to her and that she's the chosen one. But of course, she gets thrust into this asylum environment and um, is preaching that she's, you know, the, the second Christ. And of course, nobody believes her. Um, so she she wants to understand why she's been chosen at the same time. So it's this kind of dichotomy of um, uh, objectives that she has to try and attain throughout the first six episodes anyway. Absolutely. Now, what was, I mean, there's so much to this character, but what was the biggest challenge for taking this role on? Because as you say, you can't do it lightheartedly. You've got to put in your prep. So what was the mm. biggest challenge that you found taking on this character? I think the language. Um, uh, Joss is a big fan of Shakespeare, and I found that was my kind of inlet to kind of think of try and think of iambic pentameter or something that way, you know, that I, I kind of understand yeah. because I had to embody that, you know, her thoughts are so jarring and sporadic and, and that I had to kind of almost say a sentence and, 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 you know, walk around the room saying sentences and moving my body just, just to absorb that sort of thought pattern within her head because things make sense to her. Like Joss said at the beginning, if, if the audience ever understands Malady, we haven't done our job. You know, and there's references to Nietzsche within the piece, um, who I believe had like a a, a, a brain tumour or something was eating away at his brain. That's why he was, you know, came across as though he was in a hypermania state constantly. And she's the same way. It's, I had to understand what happened at the hands of this Dr. Haig, you know, like lobotomy or, or taking your brain apart and... The only way that she survives is through her superpower, which is growing stronger from pain or inflicting pain on other people. Mm. But she's, yes, it was the thought pattern and, and, and making that true to me because she just changes on a dime, you know? Yeah, so, completely. Yeah, definitely the language. But also playing, how long was the shoot out of interest? Because um, you got no, it was split it, up, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so well, it was about two years we've taken to do these six episodes. Oh my word, you must have been desperate to get back to it. Oh God, well, I, I found it quite difficult. Um, I was about to say. Mm-hmm. Just getting back into that headspace. I, yeah. I remember thinking, how how am I going to do this? Because we stopped initially for three months just while the writers um, got their catalogue of extra episodes. So we stopped after the filming the first episode. And then when we came back, I thought, I, I, have, I have no idea how I'm going to get you know, I don't know if I trust myself getting back into this space, you know, um, and it just took time. It just, you just almost have to ask higher powers and be that, you know, to, to trust the process, I guess. And yeah, for sure. Meditate on it. But playing, playing this kind of role for such a long period of time and then dropping into the role, dropping out of the role, 
as we've seen in the past, playing a role like this can be damaging to the actor themselves, which is, you know, it's sad to say, but it is, it is a difficult thing to experience from, from time to time. How did you stay on top of that part of it? Because you said there that you wanted to kind of experience and make those decisions as you, not as Malady, you know, because you wanted to understand the character. How did you stay on top of those kind of darker thoughts and, and kind of the approach to it? Because you didn't want it to get to you as well, I suppose. Not, not, not that it literally would. Like, I'm not going literally that yeah. far, but you know what I mean? Yes. I don't think I could have played this character a few years ago, put it that way. I think mm. um, genuinely I'm in a good headspace um, because of my daily practices. Um, so in that sense, I was uh, initially the first episode, I, I found it hard to remove myself um, just because she's, she's just got this bubbling anger within her, you know, constantly. It's like, it's just like a disease that just, you know, manifested in my body. And it was just, I just felt, out of place and not my normal self so I guess a lot of yoga a lot of meditation and outdoors I just need to be outdoors walking and I think you know and, and also normally when I do jobs I just shut myself down and it's a big regret in my life to not um, have my friends and family around on kind of speed dial and I made sure I had them on this project um, it was easier filming in London too because a lot of my best buds are here um, so in that sense it's it was a yeah I think just exercise and and you know making sure you're looking yourself in the mirror and remembering who you are and what your mm. values are um in that way because I think I've taken home roles in the past and and ended up with insomnia and you know everything but it's just it's not a healthy environment to be in it sounded sounds like at the end of the day that you had a, a kind of a routine I think that's what I would probably say that could keep you grounded and keep you you is that Absolutely. fair to say? Yeah. Yes, definitely. I think that's the only way, well, you know, how to survive this life. You know, it's there was a lot of malady about, you know, about there's a big betrayal that happens in her life and she's got severe trust issues with people. So, you know, I think with malady, also it's understanding that she, she she's so larger than life and big because she hated her former self. I mean, imagine being in that sort of headspace that you you almost ridicule who you once were. You know, you hated yourself and upbringing and, and where you were and that you're damaged. She's damaged goods almost, whatever that means, you know. And she's she's just trying to control her I environment think, and society. I think there's a lot that you can draw parallel in, not to obviously the extremities of the show, but draw parallel in, into contemporary society in terms of some of the structure and the themes that the show uh, explores. What would be to you the message that you would want somebody to take out of this show? I guess that we're, we're stronger as a united front, you know, it's that, that these women are ostracized from society and, but yet they've got these unique, beautiful abilities which should be celebrated. And I think we're in, a, in an age where we are conscious of that. We can talk about it and especially mental health, but it doesn't have to be termed a disease or kept you know, in a cupboard that we're able to explore people's minds because that's the joy of, of being human. You know, it's all these these cells within your brain that are working, you know, to make you who you are. And I think that uniqueness should be celebrated. And I think that's what the show is about and hope and uh, love. Um, so definitely, definitely that to take away from it. Totally. Now, something that I do want to touch on as well is that there is a huge amount of um, physical action in the show which is huge amounts of fun did you enjoy it 
Yeah, I love it. I love anything. You had done it before though, right? A little bit. I yeah, yes, I have. Yeah, I I did it for a film. Yes, no, it's great. I mean, I grew up in outdoors, and you know, I'm a farm girl at heart. So anything (laughs) that's physical, I love. But again, trying to, um, I found that tough. Um, learning the routine. Um, I putting Malady's take on it because she's a wild animal. Like Malady, there are no rules to Malady. Um, but I had to do so much practice to get to that stage of understanding that she's just like a, a tiger just waiting to pounce, you know, she's there, assess the situation, and then she just tacks. There's no real kind of like waiting and, you know, oh, consequences or anything. And then on top of that, put Malady's mind and the language on top of that. So I find that a challenge too. I say that it's probably, yeah, second biggest challenge of playing her. Physical and mental well-being are so important and come hand in hand. I'm incredibly proud to be sponsored by the CBD brand, The Good Level, who have well-being at the very forefront of what they do as a company and a brand. They offer CBD oils, balms and jellies, all of which are full spectrum and extracted by a cold press. Their oils are all made with extra virgin olive oil from Kalamata and that makes them so much tastier than any other that I've tried before. Their balms have a fantastic smell as well and are great to use on your skin or any pain you're experiencing. And of course their jellies taste so great for any sweet tooths. They also have a commitment to sustainability, pledging to plant at least 500 trees every year along with ensuring all their packaging is recyclable. So if you want to check The Good Level out, go to their Instagram page at the.good.level where you can find out all about their products. And if you'd like a discount, feel free to use Headstrong15 at checkout on their website. Now, uh, if I can cast your mind back, you are, in case anyone listening who hadn't noticed, are Scottish. And as you said there, uh, you're, you're a farm girl, you're a country girl. But I want to know... Um, where drama fitted in then when you were growing up at what age can you remember doing drama because you know you don't land a role in the nevers just like that um I want to know where it started for you in terms of from a dramatic perspective yes um I was speaking actually to my old drama teacher uh the other day about this and yeah it's it's kind of it started I went to this Saturday drama school which my my grandfather fortunately um paid for or else I wouldn't have been able to go and it was there that I found a really beautiful um spirited teacher who who believed in me and there was a moment an improvisation where um I, I kind of felt that I I had like an outer body experience that I just wasn't me and and since then it's almost been an addiction to try and recreate and I think that's why I would never give up what I do because it happens so few and far between that when it does happen, it's almost it feels like a psychedelic experience or something, you know, it's just, it's really beautiful. And especially on stage, those moments, it's just, yeah, the adrenaline that pumps through you. So it, yeah, it, it began there and she believed in me enough to send me on my way to audition at drama schools. And yeah, I got in um, at central school of speech and drama literally on the day. So I, I was very lucky to have my three editions all in one day, which was unheard of. And yeah, that's kind of when my life changed. It was my first time in London as well. So I felt like a You were quite young though, weren't you? 17, yeah. I mean, were you? did you pack your bags and literally go on your own? 
No, mum came down. Okay, phew, thank God. As long as mum's there, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'd I'd be the same. I'd be the same. Gosh, but how terrifying though. Like, you're three auditions all in one day and at the end of it, you're there and you're in. And did you go, did you start at 17 or just turned 18? Just turned 18, yeah. So what what were your emotions going down then to kind of, to start? Did you, obviously you went in with that sort of, I, I would hope some pride having got into the drama school, but also that kind of fear of the unknown. Definitely. I, I think, you know, the objective of these drama schools is to, is to kind of make you as neutral as possible. So you're able to adopt, you know, personas and people and, and dialect and accents and things. And, and I, I wasn't quite aware of that. And I felt I went in with a spark. And I remember there was the, the head of the, the drama at the time, Jeff Coleman, saying when I left, what happened to that spark? And it was quite a moment for me. And I thought, you bugger, you guys have knocked it out of me <laughs> in that way. But I, I've definitely found it back. And, and being in business, you know, I think that's what it is about being, you know, what makes you you, that uniqueness is should be celebrated in that way. But I had a great time and I've actually started working with the most amazing teacher again from there, Peter McAllister who is just a genius uh, and makes me think about drama in, in a, a really um, beautiful way. Just, you know, takes away all the technicalities and makes me have fun, you know, as and when we work together, which is the joy and which I, I didn't really go through at drama school. I find I put far too much pressure on myself and, and didn't enjoy myself, you know, and, and unfortunately I had to take on quite a lot of extra part-time work. Um, and I think that was to the detriment of, of, um, not saying learning, but uh, it was like my anxiety levels were probably at its worst looking back during drama school. Um, but only now can you assess that truly and go, oh, that's 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 what that like was. That's what the hindsight mm. does. Yeah, sure. What were your? Did you have any coping mechanisms at that point then, or did you just not know what this kind of this this feeling was, or were you actually just caught up in it all and unaware of the kind of the rise in in your own anxiety then? Absolutely. And I think speaking to a few of my best friends still from drama school, they'd say, you know, your weight loss, like it was really bad. You know, it's not forgetting to eat, but it's just, it's about control, isn't it? Anxiety. And mm. I, I, that was the only thing that I felt I could control at the time. Everybody else was making decisions. I had to come to uni at this time and I wanted it so badly, of course. And that's the pressure that I put on myself. But even extracurricular activities were just non-existent at that time. And I'd come from playing netball nationally and and doing it every day and having a routine to kind of just being thrust into this this dynamic with 48 other students who were just as hungry but just as disillusioned almost you know and instead of asking for help I just kind of crusaded on and I, I think that was definitely as I say to the detriment of my my mental health during that time. I mean it's easy to say with hindsight now of course isn't it but where, at what point then for you did that kind of reach a reach the summit, your kind of anxiety at its, at its most heightened. And, you know, when did you realise that you were able to take control of that then, take control back yourself? Or are you, is that still a process that you learn every day? I think, yes, I um, not so much. I think with the control through like eating, food, etc. that was that at the time. And I think actually, you know, we were saying the fear of the unknown. I think when you, I, I was fortunate enough to have, start working when I was in my third year at drama school so I guess just being on set and going oh this is the machine this is what we've spent three years working to understand 
And when you finally see it, it's, it's almost like you, the answer is the resolve in itself. So that was the start of just kind of the excitement, I guess, and the adrenaline from that started to overtake any sort of anxiety or inhibitions that I had. Um, but then maybe that, that manifested in other ways. Um, I, I met a partner. Oh, hi. <laughs> uh, yeah, when I was in Thailand, and I think that was good just to, to have somebody else to bounce off of as well, because it can be such a lonely existence, especially when you're not working as an actor. Mm. I was. This is something that I have talked about with other actors on the podcast. Being an actor comes with a fair amount of rejection, from auditions and also time just spent not working because that's just that's just unfortunately um i would say for a lot of actors and not in a bad way as well it's just the way the diaries come together and whatnot but you do spend a lot of time not working so you do cherish those moments where you do work but when you were younger then how how did you cope with that audition process because i know from a personal perspective as well that you know not hearing back from auditions at the very start i used to take it very personally and that's not good you've got to accept that actually often they might not even watch the tape they'll just look at you and if you don't fit the role they might not even watch anymore that's that so how did you cope with the kind of that rejection side of things I think well are you saying that there was something that came in maybe about a month ago and this huge project it's a Francis McDormand project and um yeah, and again, it was just face didn't fit. I just didn't fit into the family. It was just one of those things. And I mean, I think the older I get, the more now I understand that side of the business that sometimes it is, you know, it's just, you just, your face doesn't fit. And it's not about you and it's not about your talent the majority of time. And I, I find America quite tough. I found it hard going into a room of, you, you know, majority of the time stony faced people that were just kind of like judging you. Mm. I find in the UK, you know, um, uh, casting directors they're so encouraging mm. so when you get your your 10 15 minutes um or whatever it's there you know they they want to cast you they would rather find the person just to, to get everything set in motion right and it's just about being cre- creative and celebrating ourselves as artists at the same time and failing because that's the only reason that's the only way that you become stronger you know this this role this malady role i thank god that there's you know that i've i i i was passed or i I failed at other editions because i wouldn't have be you know have the the best character i've ever played in my life i wouldn't be doing that right now so there's always a silver lining and i think just investing the time into understanding that the, the bigger picture and understanding that it is a machine and that you have to be in control of you or else it will end up controlling you and i think that's when people tend to go in downward spirals or take things personally and also, you know, bolstering each other as actors. I think that's a big thing. I've got few really solid actor mates, but the ones I do have are actually some of the nicest human beings I've ever met in my life and are, are stealing the show in the acting world at the moment, but I have their feet on the ground. And, and you've got to be able to trust and be honest and, and keep that sort of like level of jealousy to the mm, side. Absolutely. Because we're all on our own paths. And especially now with social media and... Um, you know, all these, not game shows, but reality shows, it's, there's no set way of becoming an actor or sustaining it these days, you know, and that's what it's about. Do you want the longevity or do you want the the celebrity? Two different questions that I think people have different answers for. Well, they're, believe- almost, they're almost incomparable though, because yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, and also, as you say as well, it's, how do you yeah how do you sustain it at such a level but again 
jealousy and comparison just come into play. I mean, as soon as you start comparing yourself in the big picture, right, that's when you're destined for <laughs> going downhill. Because as you say, everyone is on their own unique journey and path. And that's the most important thing. If, the, if that one role made for you, let's be honest, in, in this show, you found that role. I'm sure that other people might have thought that they might have been good at it, but it just might not have, might, was not meant to be. Uh, and that's just what actors have to realize. And as you say, with the casting directors, they want you to succeed as much as you want to succeed because they just want the role filled. They want to get the best person for the role. So they're going to encourage you no matter what. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I remember there was this one um, casting director. I remember going, why does she not like me? What is going on? And then something came in and I was like, right, I know she's got a personal vendetta against me if I don't get this part. And uh, I think it was another fucked up part. And I went outside and I, put, I taped myself in heaps of mud and all this sort of stuff and all the, and I just went for it. I filmed it on the floor. It was crawling right around the floor. I like, just went <laughs> mad. And I was like, yeah, that was right. Solid tape, sent it off. And I, I did end up getting that job. So I thought, okay, this is a case of, you know, all in my head and my anxiety and fear and rejection, I guess. And so, so that reason was, was quashed. But it's so Getting true. Uh, actors are the worst overthinkers, honestly. The worst, but also the best souls in the world because we oh, have to transport ourselves into so many, you know, different headspaces. I think we're so em- empathetic. Great and work. that's a joy and should be challenged, not challenged, should be celebrated. Mm, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Mm. Now, from, from everything that I've read and everything that I've learned from you already in this conversation, you seem very in tune with your own mental health now. And you're very at one with yourself and, and know your own routine and structure to stay on top of it, from what mm. I can see and hear anyway. And you also do some wonderful work with charities, which is incredible. Where did this drive and passion for conversation around mental health kind of come from in you? I think um, I think it was when I would work on auditions for so long and cancel my life and then I'd go into an audition and then just blank. And that was when I started to open up and speak to people about it and realise the fear, flight, fight response in your brain and realise that this was all stemming from anxiety. And I mean, I was cancelling my whole life for weeks on end and then turning up and not being able to deliver. And I thought, I can't live like this. This is just it's eating me away inside. And a friend introduced me to CBD, which is a huge part of my life now. Mm. Um, you know, even having it before this conversation, you know, just to kind of quash the nerves and things because they're there all the time, aren't they? But just finding the enjoyment and understanding that I've chosen where I am in life, you know, and we're so gifted when we're working and to be in the jobs that we're in, you know, that it's it's trying to consciously think about it that way you know through meditation as well and breathing and and grounding and and knowing that I have to get out of city life quite a lot for my mental health and I don't think I understood that when I was younger um just having you know things to kind of escape to I guess and also quiet time and understanding that sometimes being alone it's that's when you you recharge your batteries and it's not a it doesn't have to be lonely you know, and I'm really enjoying, enjoying being on my own a lot these days, which is great. I um, couldn't it, agree but, more. I really, really couldn't agree more. It's that, especially as well, it's one of those things where you shouldn't let your work define who you are as well. And you've actually just got no. to take time and be yourself and just exa- exactly, just be one with yourself and enjoy your own company and recharge those batteries. And in fact, something that comes to mind is you, you in the first lockdown, you spent some time isolated, didn't you? 
up I in did. yeah you were doing some wonderful work do you want to just say a little bit about that yes well i i met this fella um who is head of an organization i met him doing a charity cycle across scotland a few years back from Glenfin into Stonehaven and there was about 15 of us that participated and that was my cousin who's in the Air Force and his mother sadly um, sadly, uh, was taken from us about 12 years ago. She ended her own life and he was doing this for the Heads Together charity and I met some wonderful people there. So last year when we were stepped down from the Nevers I stood down from the Nevers, the sky said, I know you're up in Scotland at the moment. Do you want to come up and work in Aviemore to help keep this charity afloat? Basically do manual labour. Uh, who knew manual labour was that hard? But uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I went up. We kind of planted trees. Also, also took those, you know, the safety nets off the trees, the deer safety fox net mm-hmm. thing. Um, which was a nightmare because it was all the old ones they'd left on for so many years. So all the branches were kind of coming out. We literally had to cut each one, like eight hours a day and painting pods and lawn moorings and yeah, just everything. But at the same time, you know, I did that for, I was there for four months living in a pod in the middle of nowhere, like in the Highlands. But even that, a couple of months into it, I thought, hang on a second, I'm not, I need to take time out for me. I'm in this place. I'm, I'm able to, you know, use my legs and, and my physicality and other people can't in London, you know, stuck in tower blocks, etc. So I'll use it to my advantage and, and to help. But at the same time, I need to, I need my quiet time. So I really got into mountain biking and loch swimming, which was great, which I still kind of keep up now. Um, hence the bike arrival today. Very exciting. So, yeah, it was really great and it was really an experience for the soul. And and now, yeah, I'm on the kind of board of directors there just to, to keep this. It's a respite area for children uh, and adults with mental difficulties. So we were just maintaining it all in the hope of, you know, everything being locked up last September, not envisioning another lockdown type thing. That's just really amazing. So I really, really commend you on that. But again, also as well, it's amazing that you had the kind of self-awareness to say, I actually do need time to myself as well mm. and you've you know it sounds like you enjoy your exercise is that something that you really kind of help to recharge and reflect definitely I have to and even being on that bike up these mountains and coming down it's just like it's like I even go I went fishing with my um my stepdad once and I was oh god here we go fishing totally judging it before I went but actually it was the first time when you're concentrating on just catching that fish it was mm. it was almost meditative because it, it was you weren't thinking about anything else and and that's how I feel when I'm on the bike it's just you have to be in the moment or else you know you'll topple or there's all you know obstacles coming your way and it's just merely about just existing in the moment on that bike and there's nothing pure and and true in life I think and and all these activities bring me back to the now and that's my way to kind of get out of my head basically well of course you talk about there of living in the now but I do want to talk to you about the future what may that hold be that a personal or professional perspective can we see some more fundraising from you in the future is that is there anything on the cards Absolutely. Yes, I would love to I would love to head back up north um and maybe do something physical. My mum wants to do um John O'Groat. No, she wants to do Land's End to John O'Groat. Oh my, so. that's a hell of a, a hell of a feat. See what happens there, yeah. Definitely. Um if mum wants to do it, she'll do it. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I have to tag along. Uh so yeah, and then just, just more work with heads together for sure. 
uh, and then start back on the Nevers again in June next month. How exciting. I know. I know. Wonderful. Where are you going for Is that in London again? Yeah, in London. Okay, well, that's wonderful. But also you have another show coming out later this year, I believe. Spencer. Yes, very exciting. Yeah. Are you excited for that as well? Yeah, I really am. Yeah. Wonderful. It's, well, yeah, that's another yeah. podcast for another time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, now, this is a question that I ask every guest that comes on the show. What does the word headstrong mean to you? Self-love. I think I, I understand that only through me being strong mentally and physically, that's only when I can be there for other people. You know, that's where I can be there to, to gift my time, which is the biggest thing we've got, you know, it's the precious, most precious thing we have. So, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, but, but yeah, the more I, I, I'm, I'm good to myself, the more positive I am, you know, of a day, and the more strength I feel that I have to, to gift to other people. I guess. I suppose my final question would be then, from the plethora of experience that you have now. What would you pass on to somebody or indeed your younger self who is getting into the industry? Just let be more. Don't push. Don't be desperate. You know, I think the industry smells desperation, but just just be unique, you know, and have fun in these meetings. People want you to win. And also maybe not about winning either, you know. It's about experience, and I think every job that I get shapes me in a way that I never thought was possible. And I meet such such wonderful people, and I travel to such wonderful places, and every day I'm filled with gratitude for that. And I think that's that's it, just being grateful for, for where you are and the people around you and the experience, I guess. Don't, that's beautiful. Very poetic. I, I really like it. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me on Headstrong. Thank I really you. appreciate it. Um, I wish you all the best shooting season two. How very exciting. Thank and, you, Yeah, and we will, I hope, see lots more of you. Yes, yeah. It's great to have teamed up with The Good Level, a British CBD company who share a similar ethos to that of Headstrong. The Good Level co-founders, Joe and Johnny, believe in CBD as it's helped them and their families with their physical and mental well-being. Whether that's using their balms to recover from physical exercise or using their oils to manage stress and anxiety or to get a better night's sleep, The Good Level has well-being at the very centre of their brand. As we've partnered up with them for this season, you can get a 15% discount off all their orders using Headstrong15 at checkout. And if you're not sure about CBD yet, no worries. Joe and Johnny are always happy to chat and answer all your questions. You can contact them via their website or check out their Instagram at the.good.level. And that's Headstrong15 at checkout. And that concludes another episode in season six of Headstrong. I would just like to thank Epilogue and Amy Manson for another wonderful episode of the podcast. I really appreciated her giving her time and being so open and honest with her experiences. Thank you once again to you, the listener, for tuning in. And if this is your first time, please do go hit the review button, hit subscribe, leave a rating, whatever you'd like to do, and pass it on to your family and friends or whoever you might think will enjoy the podcast. 
We have got a load of episodes already recorded and released from the likes of Simon Pegg, Ramesh Ranganathan, loads of people, and please do just go listen to those if you've enjoyed the episode. I'm sure that there will be one for you. Anyway, that concludes this episode. I will be back on Monday for another episode of Headstrong with another wonderful guest. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.